Welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. OuterLimitsRadio.com I'm your host, Ryan. Are you fascinated with aliens by chance? If so, then you and my wife have something in common because she happens to be married to one. We're going to feature on our program tonight Ms. Caroline Corey. She's the writer and director of a fantastic new film called Gods Among Us, which talks about people's interactions with aliens and unforeseen entities. I thought the uh, interview with her was very fascinating because there's so much that she reveals. She unveils a big piece of the puzzle. It's not just one abduction or one probe or, or one person's perspective. It's several different perspectives. And she herself has been in contact with beings since she was five years old. So I think it'll answer a lot of questions and it'll push the uh, curiosity meter to the max. Let us begin tonight's program. Our guest today on the Outer Limits of Energy Radio Show is Miss Caroline Corey. She's the writer, director, and producer of a film called Gods Among Us, The Science of Contact. She's also an author. You can learn more about Miss Corey by going to her website at godsamongus.com. Miss Corey, welcome to the program. Can you please tell us about what Gods Among Us is about? Thanks for having me, Ryan. This is a lot of fun. Uh, so Gods Among Us is actually about a contact with any form of non-physical energy or entities, whether it be uh, extraterrestrials or some sort of spirit guide or angelic form. Uh, because for me, it, it started at a very young age. I came in contact with those energies at the age of five. What so throughout my life, yeah. So oh. so when I was five, yeah, when I was five years old, um, I started seeing certain beings and seeing the subtle energy. And one day, I literally saw this uh, these beings in my living room, and we started communicating telepathically. And it was awesome. It was not scary. It wasn't like a ghost type thing at all. Um, it was the mo- yeah. How it was the most de- natural thing. Them? Like visually, what do they look like? Well, actually, though that experience, because throughout my life I had different types of encounters, but that first one at the age of five was more of a light ball kind of a thing. Like it was an it was like a, a shape of of maybe I want to say something like three beings. If you put three people kind of together, if they were emanating a lot of light, that would be kind of the shape that appeared. And um, yeah, so so but we started communicating telepathically, and it was so natural. And uh, they kind of showed me how telepathic communication was happening, like how they were able to transfer information into my brain and now I'm like five years old right so and it's just it was the most natural normal uh, familiar thing you know so um that's how it started for me that's pretty wild I mean at that age did you think there was anything abnormal about it like okay you know this is just what we do human being human being No, and you know, I think that a lot of children actually see, uh, sometimes they see, they see ghosts or they, I think they see these light beings as well, but they don't know what they are. And, you know, you've heard of imaginary friends or, you know, children. So this is very real, except that for me, it was extremely, it was very clear. Like I could literally see them 
like I would see another physical person. I could hear them. And um, it was uh, and it was a very positive experience. That's the reason why I wasn't afraid. I, I didn't think it was anything unusual. I felt like everybody had that experience. I didn't think it was anything special. And so because of that, I kept kind of, I stayed open to, to, to these encounters. And as I grew up, I kept meeting more and more of these types of beings throughout my life. Wow, that's pretty wild. I have to say, like, my experience when I was a kid, <laughs> the first experience I ever had with ghosts is that there would be a foul smell in the room. My parents would be like, oh, my God, there's a ghost in the room. I had no idea what it meant until, like, years later. But that was, that was my <laughs> only that's my, experience with it. That's pretty wild that you were able to communicate and have that uh, communication so early. Do you think it had something to do with your astrological chart? Were you, if you look at your chart, was that an indication in any way, shape, or form that you were going to be open to that type of communication? Yeah, it's not. I think it's more than that. I think I also understood at the time that I was kind of a similar... I felt like they were part of my lineage, like we were the same spirit family, some people call it soul family type thing. So it felt very familiar, like as if, um, you know, that communication was part of the natural ability of these types of beings. So it didn't feel like um, it, it was just because my astrological chart. I think it was like more than that. But I, I think the idea, or I think the reason why this experience was so strong and so significant for me, is for me to, to remember it so clearly and be able to start asking the questions. Because what happened was I, I realized that nobody else could see them around me or nobody else could hear them, obviously. And so I started asking the questions at a very young age. How is it possible? How is it possible for the human brain to hear information that is actually coded. They were codes. That's the way you speak telepathically. You don't speak in the English language. That's not how it works. It's the concept that gets condensed into codes, and then the codes get transferred from brain to brain or from consciousness to consciousness, and then your physical brain kind of decodes these codes into your language, your, you know, English language. That's how it works. Okay. And so... Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, and so, so that's the reason why I, I, I realized that uh, because of these experiences, I, start, I started asking the questions, well, how is it possible that a human brain could just spontaneously start, you know, communicating telepathically? How is it possible that these beings were all light? How is it possible? You know what I mean? So so throughout my life, I was asking these questions, and because I could see the subtle energy very clearly, I started to see kind of the construct of consciousness, and I could see different types of beings had different types of consciousness, different type of construct, if you will. It's like as if I was seeing their DNA, you know, like I, I could see that the formula was different from being to being. And so eventually, I, I, that became my life, my work, which is what is consciousness? What is intelligent life? Who are all these beings? And what is it to be a human? And, and how does it work to come to the earth? And where do you come from? You know, all of these questions became part of my teachings and my books. And uh, so that's how I kind of got into it. 
until eventually I realized that I needed to make a film about it. So that's that, kind of how it all came that's about. That's interesting. <laughs> and I highly recommend, please check, everyone, please check out Gods Among Us, the trailer. I watched it. It was just, it's incredible because you actually see real life encounters. I've got a couple questions about your experiences with these beings. I guess the first one is that if they are communicating with you or the, well, sorry, when they have been communicating with you, do you describe the ability to translate the communications better in symbolic visuals or mathematical uh, formulas? Is mathematics a universal language that transcends all species in space and time? Or do you think it's more symbolic visual images that are universally understood, that are easier by the brain? Yeah, this is a great question. It's actually both. Because what happens is that it's the mathematical formula that translates a concept into a code, and those codes are also using mathematical formula to translate into a human language. So it's, it's a combination of both. So whether you are tapping into the mathematical formula that's translating from one uh, form to another or the actual symbols that eventually or the codes that come into your consciousness, either way, you're, you know, that's kind of how it all works. And so the human brain, you know, when we, uh, you're born here on the earth, you don't, you have to learn language. If you're born in America, you learn English. If you're born in India, you learn, you know, whatever that language is. And the way you learn it is you hear it, you learn it, and you store it. So it's like you're, you're putting it in, in the library, in your brain, right? And so, so that later, as you're growing up, you have this uh, library of, of words that you know how to use. So you're basically going back to that library of, of vocabulary and, uh, you know, taking out these words that you put in yourself. So that's how you learn a human language. But a universal language, you don't do any of that. You don't, you don't have to learn something, put it, put it in storage in some sort of cellular memory, and then take it out again. It doesn't work this way. The universal language, which is based on mathematics and codes, is, is kind of an open, I want to say like something like open source. You know what I mean? It's, it's, a, it's a language that everybody understands because the, the brain, even though here on Earth you're only tapping into 10%, uh, of its capacity, but its full capacity is tapping into that universal language. It's it's a frequency range. It's kind of like it's like a it's like a radio wave. Let's say if when you're speaking a local human language, you're tapped into the AM station on your radio dial. You know what I mean? But then the universal languages are all on the same, let's say, FM dial. You know what I mean? So. So, so as soon as you shift to your full brain, brain capacity, your 100% brain capacity, you are basically on the FM channel and you already know how, you know, you can hear and understand and communicate because everybody's on the same channel. Does that make sense? It does make sense, but I just don't understand why all people or average people can't be more receptive to this communication with these beings that you describe, and I want to describe, are these beings from different planets in our current three-dimensional reality? Are these beings from our reality but are at a different vibrational frequency? And I guess the other question is that why can't most people perceive them? 
Yeah, so the, these are two different questions and yeah. very excellent questions. So the first thing is why <laughs> why most people can't hear them I mean, for several reasons. First of all, we are not trained. Like I said, when we're born uh, as in a human in, as a human baby, you know, the mother is saying, "Mama, repeat after me, Papa." You know what I mean? Like you are already teaching the baby to repeat what you're saying. You want the baby to to learn what you know, you know. So already the baby is is already learning to absorb and hear only that one channel and repeat. You see what he's hearing, what the baby's hearing. So from the get go, we are learning how to communicate using the brain in this very linear, limited way. Um, although babies, uh, up until the age of three and a half usually, they are tapping into the universal brain. That's why a lot of children can see and perceive the imaginary friend and communicate with, with you know, these invisible realities. But as they grow up, and that's to answer your question, we are, society tells you, okay, enough now, you're old enough, you know, you can't be talking to invisible people now, you know what I mean? So your, the, your parents, your educators, your friends, uh, and kind of start to make fun of you if you're tapping into an invisible form of energy. And so you start to shut it off. Wait, so did, that's the typical scenario. I have to pause you for there for just one second. Isn't it ironic that they'll chastise you for saying, oh, you can't have imaginary friends, you can't talk to people? What do you think that people are doing in church? They are praying to an invisible entity, and they're asking <laughs> you for assistance. And meanwhile, you're crazy for apparently you know, talking to beings. Like, it's such a double standard, hypocritical thing, and I don't yeah, understand absolutely. why it exists. Absolutely. I mean, exactly, but that's the way it is, right? I mean, if you are – it's now like you, know, you go around and say, hey, I'm speaking to my spirit guide. People start rolling their eyes. But then if you're in a church, yeah, you're right. It's, like, it's just hypocritical in a way. But that's the way society works. So that's one of the reasons. That's the most common reason. Another very common reason is fear. So what happens is that you're, not only your parents and your teachers are telling you, hey, you know, you're not supposed to be speaking to invisible people, but also what happens is that you start to get confused because your brain is starting it, as, you grow, as you grow up. You, you are trying to have your brain adjust to the human frequencies, like to that AM dial, if you will. And so sometimes it gets very confusing when it's going back and forth and back and forth from one channel to another. And some of the entities sometimes that show up, sometimes they're, they're very large or very massive or just kind of overwhelming, and that triggers fear sometimes. So I work, I work with a lot of people, and when I go back with them, to when they were kids in terms of when I'm kind of looking into their subconscious mind to see where the, their block is, I see an experience usually around between the age of five and seven where they do come in contact with an amazing consciousness. I mean, it's not fearful, it's not a ghost or anything like that, but it's still unusual. And it, it, sometimes it feels so good that that triggers something in the brain like, whoa, wait a minute, is this consciousness going to take me away from my parents or you know what I mean so so you start to uh, associate fear with that experience and your ability to communicate with them 
Okay. So these are the two most common things. That's well, why people just don't. <laughs> well, maybe you have some people that uh, you have parents that are you know, taking care of them. Then you have some kids who don't have an overbearing parent who just say, kind of, you're on your own. Why don't more people on the planet, with that, even without the fear side, experience discommunication? They, it, do. they do. Well, they and, do. Yeah. But I mean, well, I mean, like maybe visually you describe it because uh, are they from the future? Are these beings, generally speaking, from the future? Are they from uh, other planets within our solar system that are traveling here? Yeah, so the beings that I have encountered come from very far away within this universe. So if you're looking in terms of linear time, you can say that they are from the future. But uh, these are the beings that I first encountered. Then I, of course, I was working and encountered other types of beings throughout my life. Uh, so the other types of beings down the road that I've encountered and then other people also talk about are, I mean, there's a whole range of categories, but there are, there are the, the beings that are material. So meaning they are not human, but they have a material body, material form. They just happen to be living on another planet, such as Jupiter or the Pleiades or somewhere else. Now, these beings can travel through time and space and appear on our planet. And it, of course, there, we're not talking about a travel uh, using the propulsion technology because that would take thousands and thousands and thousands yeah. of years. That's not how it works. Yeah. So, so there's a way to, to, uh, to teleport, uh, from another planet to the Earth plane. So there are those beings who are on the Earth. That's why it's part of the film. Um, that are appearing to people uh, interdimensionally, meaning. Um, so well, if you were, how do they do it yeah, though? How, how do they how do they do the travel? I was always watching a little Star Trek where they they do the, the warp and they bend space and time, but apparently it requires infinite amount of energy to do that. And you know, I've heard Neil deGrasse Tyson talk about well, you know, they have wormholes and you just go through a wormhole. But how do these beings ever give you a, a reason to say, listen, this is the way you commit. This is how you travel that fast. Exactly. Actually, we talk about that in the film. That's why the film is called The Science of Contact. So I've worked with and I interviewed and in, in the film, there's a, uh, one of the lead scientists. He's a Harvard astrophysicist. His specialty is black hole. That's, that's why I wanted to have him in the film. And so we talk about how is it possible that I'm sitting here and I'm receiving telepathic communication. It's one thing when it's a being that nobody else can see. But I can also, and I can guarantee there's hundreds of people who talk about that. They are communicating telepathically with a being that's somewhere else in another dimension, even on another planet or across the universe. How is that possible? So we talk about it in the film and we explain how this, the fabric of space or the structuring or the patterning of space. In other words, space appears to be empty, but not only is it, it, it is filled with energy, but it's organized, it's structured, meaning it has a specific pattern that divides, uh, you know, the space that we exist in so that there are specific wormholes or black holes, I call them zero points, that align in a certain way. It's like a hologram. So all these zero points are, are perfectly patterned and aligned in a way so that no matter at what zero point you are, 
all of the other zero points are in resonance with where you are. So, for example, the space between you and I uh, right now is I don't know how many thousands of miles, right? So the, the, the actual space uh, around the entire Earth, there's what I call the planetary grid. I've been working on this for a very, very long time, and it's in the film. And so, and so imagine, imagine like a web, like a, like, like it's sort of a cosmic web, but that's around, wrapped around the planet. It goes up about 7,000 miles above the surface of the Earth. And that cosmic web, it's actually three webs within one web, but without complicating things. That web, that planetary grid, like I said, is, is the structuring of space itself. And there's all these different zero points so that there's a zero point next to me, there's a zero point next to you, there's a zero point at every, let's say, uh, equidistant. I mean, they're, they're like all perfectly geometric, geometrically aligned so that when I have a thought and I am close to one zero point, it's actually resonating through all of the zero points throughout this grid that you can get it there and somebody else in India can get it instantaneously. So we talk about that in the film and we demonstrate uh, through physics, the physics of that, how it actually works. Yeah, I'm curious because, you know, our, we are communicating instantaneously from thousands of miles away. Our voices are traveling, but then you've got an entire physical mass of a body. And how much energy does it require for that to go through? I mean, how much energy does it require for voice to travel? I've been so fast. Um, you know, I guess it's going to be the next question. Is that we've had the space program for a long time. Haven't the, you know, NASA or any of the people stumbled on these black holes or wormholes by accident and traveled to these different places? Well, you know, uh, science itself is based on the wrong math. So if you keep, if you are thinking that it has, you have to push yourself, you have to pull yourself, push yourself through space right there, that basic principle is wrong. So they keep thinking, oh, well, we're going to create, a, you know, a rocket that goes from here to the moon, and then it needs to be that much more powerful to get to Mars, and then it, it needs to be that much more powerful to go to Jupiter, whatever. So the, the, the principle itself is wrong. So I, I don't know why. I'm sure somebody somewhere has stumbled on the black holes. I mean, they have stumbled on the black holes, but what nobody's talking about is how are the black holes organized in space. That's something that – because the, the basic principle of science is not of a hologram. It's more of a one plus one plus one equal a finite number, and that's not how it works. That's not the mathematics of the universe. I mean, think about it this way. Can you imagine that there's millions and millions of planets and stars and galaxies and, you know, in the universe? And, you know, forget about what your belief system is, whether you think it's a one creator or cosmic whatever. The fact that there's one intelligent species here on the Earth I mean, does it even make sense that there would be all these millions of planets with, you know, other intelligent life and then with no way to ever communicate or see each other? I mean, yeah, you know what I, I mean? Find, I do <laughs> find it strange, but I'm, I also believe in the idea that the, the external reality, what you perceive outside is really what's coming inside. So I think when people look at space and then look at the infinity out without – 
I always feel like it's a reflection of their infinity within. And I always, I've always thought and wondered if that space, that those planets that seem to be so far away are actually a reflection of our imaginations inside being projected outwardly. And if the idea mm. that there is space even exists, I always question, because why would it be so far away? Why would we not be able to get to these places so quickly? And what is the, what is the missing component to that? Yeah, exactly, because it's based on the wrong math, on the wrong reasoning that has been, uh, I think it's, it's, well, it's a bit of a longer story, but actually this planetary grid actually is supposed to allow you to communicate not only uh, on the Earth, within the Earth, plane from any point to any other point, but also it's supposed to be connected to a larger cosmic web. That's the way you can continue communicating with all the other planets, but also within to stay connected within the entire universe. And it's, we're not talking about just communication in terms of telepathic communication, but also transportation. I mean, like I said, it doesn't even make sense that, you know, you would have all these planets, but then the rule is that, you know, everybody stays on their own individual planet and you never get to see any other planets in the universe. Doesn't doesn't make sense. So, but going back to your question, could it be just a reflection or an illusion to what's inside? Yeah. Do they even exist? Yeah, I mean, I can, I mean, I don't know how to, you know, prove that or show that to you now, but uh, I know for sure that there are many different planets that, um, you know, could not be a reflection because they're just configured differently. They're just, and also, when you have an experience that did not come from anything you've read, anything you've studied, that was also another thing that happened for me with these beings. Like, I had never, people were talking about greys or, you know, I don't know, different types of reptilian stuff like that. I've never, I mean, I, later on, I, I saw those guys and I met them, but, but oh, you, that you was You met the reptilians? Yeah, one, t one time I had that experience, but it was way later on in my life. Like, I mean, after I had encountered all sorts of other beings that nobody talked about, and especially at the age of five. Well, at the age of five, you don't have time to go to, I don't know, to the Internet. There was no Internet at the time, you know, to to research. Okay, so how does it work, and uh, is it possible that you encounter these types of light beings and you can communicate? I mean, when something like this happens spontaneously, you you haven't had time to project your your own preconceived ideas, you know, or be influenced by anything or anyone else. So that's why there there's there's a lot of validation to things that happen spontaneously that point to the fact that there are thousands and thousands of other um, life forms within the Earth plane you know, co-visiting um, the Earth, for sure, coming and going, but also some of them are here as well. And uh, and also pointing to the fact that there are many other planets inhabited with different types of life forms. I'd say, I think it's so amazing that when you were five years old, you were not only talking to people your age, but you are talking to, to interdimensional beings. And it makes me feel like when I was a kid, no one wanted to talk to me, and I didn't even have imaginary friends because I would come up with an imaginary friend and I'd forget about it, and I would want to talk to other beings. No one, I was, man, I was an unpopular kid, I guess. 
<laughs> well, you know, also what happened, like I said, for me, also, like, um, you know, maybe it was a bit unusual in that way, maybe a bit extreme, the fact that I could see them and hear them so clearly and see the subtle energy and all that. But uh, like I said, a lot of children are at least sensitive mm-hmm. and at least could hear uh, or sense the presence of these imaginary friends. Otherwise, these beings are there anyway, and they communicate with children, but with everyone, actually, through dreams or through visions or when you're, in, like, in a meditative state. I mean, that's when they're communicating with you because it's much harder for the human brain, especially after you, you if you grow up not having these experiences. So it's, it's very... You, you think uh, you would like to have that experience. But as you're saying, oh, I really would like to have an angel appear in my living room right now. <laughs> you're saying that. But a part of you on the subconscious level, you are probably afraid. I don't know about you, but in general, people are actually not ready or not cannot really handle to, to have that. Because, because this means their whole reality could be shattered just in that moment. And so that's the reason why as much as people want to have these experiences, they're also afraid. And so what happens is that they're, they prefer to have them or they end up having them in their dreams or as they're meditating. If you're meditating, it's kind of like you have an excuse. Oh, I saw this angel appear to me. I was, you know, meditating. So, you know what I mean? It's, but if you're just like minding your own business and, and you know, something just shows up in your living room, I, I don't think people, the average person can handle it. You I know, know what I mean? I'm very specific. When I say, oh, you know, I like to communicate with being, I'm like, you know, I want to see the halos and the harps and the angel wings. Don't, you know, appear with, with the, the worms <laughs> and stuff like that. Or I will sage you out. I keep sage right next to my desk drawer. I'm ready to go to action if that happens. <laughs> Uh, as as, <laughs> no, I'm serious. I have so much sage in the house. Can you please describe some of these extra? You call them extraterrestrial beings. Would you call? Can you just describe the extraterrestrial beings that you've come in contact with, and what each uh, species of extraterrestrial beings had as far as some of the messages go to you, or what they communicated to you? Yeah, I mean. For me, yeah, I can talk about my my experiences because there's, like I said, hundreds of different species. Uh, but those guys that showed up in the beginning, they're what I call universal type consciousness, meaning they have a very large a consciousness mass, if you will, and they usually don't incarnate in human form. That's why they appear more of a shape, like they have a, a shape, but it's not the head and arms and legs. It's more of a of a form, if you will. And it's it's all light because it's very hard for them to um, incarnate in a human body in a material form. So these are the types of beings that first appeared to me and that I feel the most connected with. Uh, there's also another type of being that also um, I, I spent a lot of time with throughout my life, and these are called the life architects. Um, and these are similar to what people call archangels. Uh, these beings are the scientists of the universe, if you will. They have to do with how to create, a, how a DNA is created, how a, uh, the DNA of a new species is uh, basically implanted on a new planet. So I spent a lot of time with those guys as well. And they appear, um, uh, again, they 
they, they are extremely tall, like 60 to 70 feet tall, and they have these massive wings type thing. Uh, and again, they don't incarnate in human, in human form, in a material form. So that's why they look more like they have that shape, but they're all light. So these are the main groups that I really was the most connected with. But eventually, after a while, when I started teaching, I started communicating um, and seeing different types of beings that are more material, such as, you know, the Arcturians are beings from Series B. Uh, now, these guys, yeah, go ahead. How would you visually describe them, the ones that you just said? Like, what were they physical characteristics and, you know, overall mentality? I mean, it seems like everyone seems to... We've talked to people, and it seems that, okay, well, these beings were all about, oh, you know, we're here to help humanity. And some are like, well, no, they really do want to kick our ass. So, uh, just... Yeah, well, it's true. It's both, actually. So I was getting to that. So so those very light beings, like I said, the universal type beings, they are really working on a much larger, kind of the much bigger picture, how to move not just humanity, but the whole planetary system, the whole galaxy forward in evolution. So they're not kind of involved in the day-to-day, like, okay, how to resolve the U.S. elections or something, you know what I mean? Like, it's a much bigger, you know, it's like much, much bigger scale. They're they're moving the entire planetary um, consciousness uh, towards, like, the next thousand year at a time, that sort of thing. So these are the beings that I've worked with. But then as you get closer to the planet, and so because of that, their energy and consciousness is extremely positive because it's about uh, unity. It's about oneness with the universe. It's about um, it's, it's about unconditional love. It's about truth. That's, these are the principles that they operate on. It's about universal laws. And so so these are the beings that I've worked with all my life. But later on, so like I said, um, for example, I'll give an example of one type of being. And these guys, uh, one time, they were, these particular guys were from Sirius B. And what, what, they're that? also quite is, is that within our solar yes, system? Was Sirius B? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, seriously. So this is just one example. So, so these guys, for example, that showed up one time are quite tall, but not as tall. So maybe, I don't know, about 11 to 13 feet tall. And they have shape. They have a shape. They're humanoid in the sense that they have a shape like a head and limbs, but they don't have organs in the material form like humans. It's more, head and limbs, but it's all kind of this this blue light body type thing. And they, these guys um, are extremely healing, and they worked with me on healing uh, energy and healing techniques and things like that. So therefore, uh, these types of beings are uh, assisting in that sort of work here on the earth. So they are within this planetary system. Now, these are the guys that get involved and help people who are into healing. There may be their spirit guides or they're there when they're doing some energy session or something like that. On the other hand, one time I had a, a visitation from not-so-nice guys. Uh, they were, they they like? were three or, Yeah, so there were like three or four 
very short uh, beans that people like people call them the grays, but okay. to me, uh, yeah. And then and then there is about quite a few repealing the short the short ones, and they had a very very negative energy. I mean, they were emanating literally. I mean, just bad <laughs> energy. And so they showed up in the middle of the night. So I was asleep, so kind of, they kind of, you know. Uh, and so, so I, because I'm extremely sensitive and I could see them, so I immediately kind of pushed them away. I said, I don't want you here. I, you know, but I had the time to notice uh, what they were like, and they felt extremely material. Uh, the grays actually were not gray; they were blue. And I noticed that it's not their skin that's blue. It's more of a, um, what do you call that, like, like a bodysuit. Mm-hmm. It, like, it, it looked like a bodysuit, and their big uh, black eyes are actually not eyes. They're, they're like uh, covers on their eyes because this, the, the bodysuit and the eye covers allow them to, allow them to uh, stay, to kind of breathe in our atmosphere because they're, their bodies and their skin is very different than the humans, so they can actually burn in within the human at, um, atmosphere. So, what, what, what I need so, to suit, are they like ghoulishly gross and No, no, it, the the blue, uh, you know, what people call gray, but the, like I said, the blue bodysuit guys, uh, they're not gross. They're just more. They feel so small. Like I mean, in, not only were they small physically, like in size, but also they were small, like in terms of consciousness. They felt very, just very low, low level of of what their what their interest is. It's hard to describe, but kind of like it's just about um, manipulating, manipulating or shifting or doing harm. It, I mean, that's kind of the Jeez. main focus. Yeah, I think you might. Yeah, it was horrible. You may put a big, bigger piece of the puzzle together because uh, we did a special last week on Stuart Wilde, a great gentleman. We did a tribute to him, and he talked mm-hmm. a lot about his experiences and in going into mm-hmm. trance and seeing, looking up in the sky and seeing a, a ton of UFOs. And he always talked about mm-hmm. the greys. He said the greys were evil, and the greys mm-hmm. were actually – they weren't even – uh, individuals, they're part of a collective hive, but they were doing a lot of negative and harm. And then I thought about something that mm-hmm. David Icke said, where he said that you know the world is kind of being influenced by a lot of these dark forces. Now I, I bring those two things to your attention and look at the world. And from my perspective, I see the world as you know I'm sure there's beauty in nature, but I think most people on the planet are very immoral. Uh, they you know treat each other horribly. There's Holocaust with the animals. They just treat, kill, and maim animals. They don't even respect themselves. And I'm wondering, at this point in time, do you think that the greys and these other dark uh, beings are gaining the upper hand as far as influence goes? Because I don't see this massive spark on a, on a majority level of kindness in the world. I see the darkness getting darker, rising above, and I see the light kind of kind of peeking out. So am I going wrong at this point? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm glad you're bringing this up. So, yeah, so so there's two points here that I want to make. So uh, just to summarize real quickly that, that story I was saying about the greys and the reptilian, that energy was very dark. doesn't mean that every single reptilian on the planet or in the universe is dark. I'm just saying that the ones that showed up and the ones, the most of them that are here perhaps 
are have that intent and energy. Having said that, I think that what you're noticing, so in other words, there's both. There's those things that have these agendas and uh, and then the other ones that are, you know, doing the, the healing and the helping. Now, I think that uh, what's happening is that this is not something that's very new. This has been happening for the last 240,000 years on this planet. What you are observing now is this exaggerated, it's kind of like this momentum that's built up for thousands of years that is now kind of about to just explode. You, you know what I mean? So that's the reason why you may think, as you look at the dark, you may think, oh, it's getting worse. It is getting worse. But for the purpose, because the dark energy is based on self on separation and on self-destructive behavior, eventually it self-destructs because that is the principle it's based on. So in order to do that, it's going to build a momentum. It's all about energy. And so the consciousness gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it just self-destructs. So that's what you're observing right now, but this didn't happen yesterday. This happened, this started to happen 240,000 years ago. Now, the light yeah, so now the light beings um, have a different role and have a different way of manifesting. And so uh, so what's happening is that because this momentum has been building up for so long, the light beings are present on all different levels. Some of them are incarnated in human form. Some are working interdimensionally, like I said, with those serious beings, the Arcturians, uh, angelic beings and, and bigger and bigger and higher types of consciousness, like I was saying. So they're working on different levels and layers, but in a different way. This means that they're, I, I want to say it's kind of something like they're working in the background. Okay. And that's the reason why you're not observing, you know, this, this kind of big surges of whatever goodness right. or healing or something. Because the earth has been based on the negative energies for so long. That has been the dominant um, consciousness on the planet. So that's the reason why it's the most obvious. But But the other beings are kind of doing their work more quietly. So that by the time this energy self-destruct, the, the negative energy self-destruct, the light energy is already replacing it, is already kind of infiltrating where it needs to be and replacing it in this organic matter. Because we always think as humans, oh, you have to have like uh, the good and evil, you know, like fighting the movie, you know what I mean? The good guy and the bad guy. And you, you know, you want the good guy to, to win and to get stronger and to show its force. Well, we're talking about multidimensional reality here. We're not talking about two guys just doing one thing. You know what I mean? So because of that, energy infiltrates multidimensionally, and that's how the healing is going to happen. Ms. Corey, I want to address right now the light <laughs> beings in this reality and other reality. Dear light beings, this is a message from Ryan McCormick, host and executive producer of the Outer Limits of the Truth Radio Show, and that message is step it up. 
I'm sick of this crap of you. We're going to work in the background, and then you're going to appear, and then we're supposed to be all enthralled by your little halo. You know what? You better step it up, and you better come to the – you better work with humanity because humanity, I think, is about to go completely extinct or go into this very dark place. So now's not a good time to stay in the background. Get on the front lines and get off the couch. You want us to stand up and fight and, you know, make this world a better place? Well, you better stand with us. Because I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, I get tired of that stuff, this Corey. I get pretty passionate about it. I don't like to see these beings stepping in the background and we're going to give you a message here and there. No, we, we, now's the time to step up and kick ass if we're going to take this planet back because I think it's getting dark. And if we don't take a stand now, forget about it. I don't know. I mean, maybe am I, am I going wrong at this place? Is my passion No, no, no. I, I guess it. Do I need no, some value? No, no, absolutely not. No, no, but I think you're you're not you know you're not quite getting that. The fact that they're in the background doesn't mean they're not doing anything. Quite the opposite. Okay. In fact, starting I think 2017, 18, and I would say I want to say until about 2034, something like that. I think this is the time where these big chunks of uh, the the old paradigm, let's say, is going to start to crumble. So that's how it works because there's so many different layers of consciousness. It's Like I said, it's not one thing. If it's one thing that you have to resolve, it's, it's, it's fine. But you have to resolve the actual planet, the chemistry of the planet, the electricity, the electric uh, conductivity, the consciousness, the DNA of the planet, the energy field of the planet. You have to, you, then you have to also uh, work with the consciousness of the intelligent life. They have to work with the spiritual energy. You have to work with, then you have to work with the actual administrative, the organization, the ethics, the, you know, the, there's all sorts of layers that you are working with. It's not one thing that you're resolving. And so because of that, the fact that they're in the background doesn't mean they're not doing and they're not pushing. In fact, that's what they're doing. They're kind of pushing all of these uh, big chunks to kind of start to crumble and collapse. And as soon as that happens, they kind of replace that energy, uh, you know, at that time. So I don't think that, you know, uh, that they're not stepping up, stepping it up. It's more that they're not as obvious as the other stuff. And um, that is more do- that's being more dominant. So I hear you. I hear you. No, I'm pretty upset. Like, this whole thing, but... too, it's like the, <laughs> it, it reminds me of this whole thing where they, like, you know, you know, have faith, you know, see – you know, don't believe, but know it's there. I'm like, no, absolutely not. Because, you know, you, you, we should have equal playing field. We should have equal playing field. You, you know, the dark, if the dark. Yeah, but you gonna... don't. But you don't. But we don't, right? And that's what I've been telling you. The reason why it's not equal is because the dark has been around, uh, has been the dominant energy for 240,000 years. That's a very long time. But so it's it's not equal. It is not. It was equal. It is no longer equal, and that's the way it is. So that's that's the reason why you know it's it's actually more than equal. I mean, right now you just like I said, the process is for this dark energy to kind of start crumbling. Big chunks of it. And in fact, I mean, do you see that since the beginning of I don't know, maybe last year, even this year. I mean, do you see that reality is really becoming very bizarre, like certain things that have been kind of hidden away for so long are starting to show up uh, in in a very obvious, ridiculously obvious way? 
for systems to become to start to crumble? I mean, do you, do you see that? Do you start to? I, are you starting I to see it a little bit. That? Yeah, I see some things that are coming out. The truth that were coming up, but I also see an unprecedented level of cognitive dissonance amongst the human race that I can't fathom. I cannot fathom that there are activities and practices that are happening on this planet that people are just letting go and then they're claiming to be more. I see a lot of hypocrisy. And there's something that uh, we've talked a lot about in our program before, and that is called processing the shadow, working on the human shadow. We've heard some of the metaphysical teachers say, well, as the vibration of the planet uh, you know, raises or as we come into a more celestial type vibration, the darkness will regurgitate. It will come up. It will be visibly seen. And all of mankind's, I guess, inner feelings are going to manifest in the physical form. So I guess I'm seeing some of it, but it's not enough to impress me. I'm not impressed. I don't, I don't think this is fast enough progress for me. I'm not satisfied. No, and, and I understand. And also because, you know, what happens is that we're talking about – the long haul. I mean, you don't fix something that happened for 250,000 years in one day. So it, it's a, it's another, it's a span of 250 years that started already. So we still have like another 100 years or whatever. So, but from your, from the perspective of the universe, 150 years is nothing. It's like three seconds. But for the, from the perspective of you of the human it's horrible i mean it's, it's intolerable it's like taking forever so yeah so i mean i get that you know i totally get that believe me i feel the same way but okay. at the same time i think what happens is that when you expand your consciousness and then you kind of see the bigger picture it helps it helps because you can then see okay well i can see how that's going to happen for the future generations in the meantime this is what i'm going to be doing so, you know, I mean, I get that, but uh, but that's kind of, it's a, it's a process that, uh, you know, the fact is that has been the dominant energy on the, on the planet. So, okay, I <laughs> but I think you're going to be, you're going to be pleasantly surprised maybe starting, you know, the next couple of years, the I, next few years are going to be pretty impressive. I hope so, because you know what it is, this is my plan. I mean, every, <laughs> all these spirits have their plan, so I'm going to let you, Ms. Corey, and our beloved listeners know what my next lifetime is. I have I thought about it. I want to, after I pass, I want to come back as the species that comes back and destroys humanity. I want to be the species that comes back and conquers humanity. <laughs> and like, oh, I, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I am sick of seeing humanity, you know, just do see what they do to the animals. I'm like, done. I'm coming back as the species that conquers and enslaves humanity. I have no problem doing that. But, but it, it, it's subject to change. It may change. Yeah. That's what I'm looking at right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you let me know. In, in a, ten years, you let me know if you still have the same yeah, plan. But I hear you. I hear you. I want to um, give you a, a mathematical. I don't know if this is a mathematical formula, but if you have these two scales and you have a person at a lower vibration or that has great intention of doing something, and then you have a person at a higher vibration with strong intention and they're trying to do something. Which of those energies has the capacity of manifesting faster? And the reason why I ask you about this is because if we are humans, human body, and our origin is from infinite, we're infinite consciousness inside a human body, which means that maybe we have the capability of doing something and being capable of manifesting all the things, can humanity, theoretically speaking, change the planet faster at a higher vibration 
than at a lower dense vibration. Okay, you're assuming that humanity is capable of maintaining a higher vibration. I'm giving them the what, benefit of the doubt. Uh, we didn't. Yeah, so what we didn't talk about is that because that uh, negative energy has been around for the last 250,000 years, well, guess what? The human species has been kind of, it's kind of like from generation to generation, the more you are, um, are let's say, absorbing those lower vibrations, and then you create another generation of those vibrations, and another generation, another generation. So now... The humanity that is on the earth, in fact, two-thirds of the humanity that's on the earth is no longer that infinite whatever that you, that it's supposed to be. Yeah, because, because, because it's almost like it got so ingrained, it's DNA, it's completely changed. What is it? Is it that? Yeah, so I mean. Is it a pure animal or something? Is it a pure animal? Well, it, it, it just has, I mean, the DNA contains information, is information. And so it's basically holding the information of self-destructive behavior. And so, so, you know, when you do that for, you know, generation after generation over thousands of years, you end up with a species that is self-destructive, period. So after all this time, what, you know, to, to think that, oh, they're going to uh, learn a few healing uh, techniques and start meditating and all of a sudden every, all that programming is going to go away. It doesn't work this way. You see what I mean? It's all about momentum. So the problem is that's the reason why a lot of, you know, some of the humans are very much capable of uh, upholding that higher vibration and that's what they're doing. But because, you know, two-thirds of the population cannot do that, that's the reason why, you know, it's, it's, that's not the way it's going to happen. Jeez. It's not that all of a sudden, yeah. So, so having said that, the, uh, the vibration of unconditional love, of a positive vibration, is always going to win. And it is winning. Unfortunately, you cannot see it. You're, like I said, imagine... You are um, at, you know, you're running a marathon. You can't see the finish line. You know, if you're, if it's a 26K or whatever that is, and you're at the 10th, you can't yeah. see how the story ends. Where you are right now, you're exhausted, you're discouraged, you know. <laughs> so you are thinking, I will never make it. And, and all around me feels horrible. So that's the, that's the problem. You know, is, 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 that's where we are. That's where you are and that's what you're, you're feeling. But the finish line is there. Whether you can see it or not is a different story. I hope you know? so. I hope so. Miss oh, <laughs> <this Corey, laughs> she has this great <laughs> film called Gods Among Us, Sides of Contact. Please talk about some of the more positive aspects about the, some of the lessons that you teach people. Yeah, yeah well, um, the good news is that the film is all positive. Okay. <laughs> you know, it tells it as it is. Good. I mean, it tells it as it is. We're not trying to hide or say, you know, abductions don't happen or bad guys aren't there. That's, that's not what we're – but the overall 
uh, perspective and approach is totally different and positive and uplifting. The reason being is, like I said, it's based on my personal experience, and my experience was, for me, um, and still is, for me, this contact is real. But I want to show why it is real, how it is possible that it could be real, to help everyone understand the mechanics of the universe. Because if you understand how energy works, how consciousness works, your life will change. So, for example, so what I've done is uh, we wanted to show that human DNA, that, well, I mean, we were wondering how we were going to prove that, that there is physical validation or scientific validation for this contact phenomenon. So we ended up coming up with several experiments, but the one that I'm going to talk about and that we did in the film is that um, we uh, worked on, we took a sample of a human DNA sample, and we measured its frequency, its conductivity a few times. Now, this is scientific experiment, so it's done in a laboratory and, you know, with a bunch of database and, you know, all sorts of things. And so we measured it before, let's say, we brought it into contact with with an entity. And then we measured it after. I brought in an angelic entity, and then we measured it again. And we realized right away that the conductivity, meaning the electricity going through the DNA sample, when it came in contact with this angelic entity, it shot up like 400%. What this means is, it's like the electricity going through it. This means it's basically its vibration went up. And so what this means is, you know, the concept, this marriage concept of rage or vibration. Well, we were pretty much able to validate and prove it scientifically that wow. this is not a concept. This is real. When you come in contact with higher vibrational energy, with a positive energy, your DNA actually changes and shifts up. And there's something extremely important because it's actually proven, there are other scientific uh, studies that were done that showed that the conductivity of uh, the DNA, when it's increased, it also allows the DNA self-repair. This means if you, if there's something wrong with the DNA, like if you have an illness or whatever, some genes aren't working properly or what have you, when you increase the, the conductivity, meaning you're raising its vibration, then the DNA starts to self-repair on its own. That's so we were incredible. able... Yeah. And we actually did other experiments, but I don't want to give away the whole film because it's fun to discover that, you know, as you're watching, you know. So we were able to actually prove, like, all these concepts, you know, like raise your vibration and you heal. But how does it work? How does it work? And so the film, you know, brings that validation. And so all of a sudden, think about it. Now meditation, now Uh, coming in contact with a higher dimensional being, a higher positive energy is literally raising your vibration, but I mean, on a physical sense and changing your DNA. So, so that is the type of experiments that we've done in the film. 
So it's, it's very exciting. It's never been done before That's in this way. Yeah. Well, and so let's say we have a possibility. If somebody is feeling sick, or let's say, for example, they are depressed, if they were to spend some time with puppies and babies, which seem to be pure innocence, could that, theoretically speaking, have a tremendous impact on the vibration? Could they actually begin to physically heal and actually begin to heal emotionally because they're around such pure, beautiful energy? Exactly. That, that's what we just showed in the film. I mean, uh, under laboratory settings and, you know, the scientist explains how he did the, you know, the measurements. And, and then we did another one that's mind-blowing. But I'm, I'm going to leave that as a surprise because oh, it, it's literally mind-blowing. <laughs> and, it, yeah, I mean, seriously. But, you know, it's, it's fun to watch the movie. And it's kind of like if somebody gives you the, you know, the last scene, how the movie ends, it's kind of like you don't want to watch, you know, it's kind of oh, spoils the surprise. Yeah, and so, so there's mind-blowing uh, not only results, but implication to what we discovered. And so now we're no longer talking about, you know, hey, I have spirit guides, are they there? I think I got a message. I'm not sure. I'm feeling better, but am I really feeling better? Or, you know, like all this questioning, all this, you know, did the energy healing session really work and how does it work? That is the validation that we brought in the film. So it's very exciting. This is at a whole different level. That's good. It looks pretty amazing. We have time for two more questions. I guess one of the ones I have for you is if we are spirit in human body, having a human type experience, is there any point for us trying to evolve if we're eventually going to go back to an origin where we're at infinite evolution? What's the, are we just here for the experience and to, you know, have the experience of being human and have the experience of having, I guess, the illusion of evolving, whereas we're already evolved based on our origin of the source or God, if you want to say it, that. But. Yeah, it, it doesn't work this way. When okay. we talk about evolution, it, we talk about, it's about consciousness expansion. Okay. What this means is you, everybody has infinite potential. Everybody's created with the same potential. But the difference is there are different types of consciousness. So it's kind of like there are different types of breeds of animals. Okay, there is no right or wrong. There's no better or bigger. Like who's better, the elephant or the dog? There's no better. It's just different. You know what I mean? And so in creation, there are different types of consciousness, different types of beings. So let's say you are one type of consciousness and I'm another type of consciousness. Your type of consciousness um, uh, allows you to accept as you become a material form. So in other words, you have to go to a planet, let's say like the Earth, take on a human body, a material body, and then when you do that, that allows you to expand your consciousness. And so when you come out of this life form, you come in, you become a human, you come out, you are not the same. You have increased, let's say, for the sake of simplicity, your consciousness mass. Let's say you, you start uh, with a consciousness mass that equal 100, whatever. When you're, you're done with the human uh, experience, you're at 110 or 120, Jeez. whatever. And so, so, so that consciousness, even though you and I started out with the exact same infinite potential, but every time you have an experience and you expand your consciousness mass, 
that allows you to do more. So, for example, when you get to 150, for example, and again, I'm simplifying, right, just to give an, an idea, then maybe you don't have to incarnate as, as a human or as a material. Maybe the next thing that you can do is maybe create an entire species yourself. You know what I mean? Like, See, because that conscious. That's awesome. I want to create an entire species. That's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? Yes. So that's the that's the point of evolution. So you don't go back to the point where you started. You're always adding, adding, adding. So it's, it's as if you're adding your capabilities, let's say, and you and, and you know. So in my case, for example, I'm a different type of consciousness. Let's say I don't need to incarnate as a human over and over. I need to just maybe do it once, and that gives me like 50 points. For example, I'm just yeah. you know kind of just giving an idea. So that's the reason why your presence on the earth is extremely important because by the time you come out, you have extended your consciousness. Now, if you came in saying, I'm going to be a good person and I'm going to try to bring, you know, universal laws and universal, you know, truth and this and that, and you end up, you know, killing everybody, well, guess what? You kind of have to come back and do it again because you know, it's kind of affected your your consciousness mass. You, you see what I mean? That's how it works. So it's extremely important. You're not going back to the same point. That wouldn't be purposeful. That wouldn't make sense. All right, quick note to our listeners. If you wish to evolve beyond the earth plane, try. <laughs> try not to kill many people. A few, but not many. That'll hold, that'll hold you back. And <laughs> it was great. My question after is, where do you see your evolution going? I mean, you, you, you're out here. You're, you're communicating with these beings. You're making this great film. And I also went to another site, which I have to say is, is very fascinating. I highly encourage it as well. Please go to this website called Omnium Universe, O-M-N-I-U-M Universe.com. Incredible videos on there about some of your teachings I mean, there's so much more to you than this film and what we've discussed. I mean, I didn't think we had to scratch the surface, but um, getting back to that, what would you say would be your next phase of evolution, and what would be your greatest lesson that you learned in this physical life incarnation? It is hard. <laughs> it's very hard to see, you know, because people think, oh, wow, she can see all these beings and she can communicate and this and that. How fun is that? Well, I have to say it is a lot of fun and I don't regret and I mean, I totally love that aspect of it. But at the same time, in a strange way, when you do have access to all of it, it's not like you see the whole picture and you go, oh, my God, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, so so it's, it's, it's actually um, very, very liberating to have that. And at the same time, you can also understand how much there is to do. So, so there is this kind of, you know, um, both – sides of the of the story for me but it's mostly positive because uh really i am using all this knowledge and all this experience in my work and i'm helping so many people tons of people and so 
the the uh, website that you mentioned, omniumuniverse.com, that is my teaching. These are my the tools I've created in the classes. And I have, by the way, I have a lot of free stuff. So people who are listening, if they want to, uh, you know, try something, because for me everything was experiential. I didn't have a, a master a guru. I did. I never went to India or whatever. You know, like I didn't. It was all. It all came from these experiences, these direct experiences. And so um, I understood also the importance of having the experience. Instead of somebody telling you this and that, it's good to hear it, but then at the end of the day, you really have to feel it in your body, feel it as your own truth. And so um, there's a lot of free stuff on my YouTube channel if people want to try that, and a lot of uh, tools and classes and, and sessions in, on that website. And so for me, now that I started making these films and I saw what we've done with this first film, like, oh, my God, with the science and all these experiments, so we are making this a series. <laughs> so we are already planning the next, uh, episode and uh, you know w- with more science specifically for that you know that aspect of contact phenomenon or another um, what people call supernatural what have you so this is going to be the next work that I'll be doing wow. Miss Caroline Corey I want to thank you so much for being with us today more about Ms. Corey by going to her website at godsamongus.com, the film, upcoming film, Gods Among Us, The Science of Contact. Ms. Corey, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. That was so much fun, Ryan. Thank you. All right, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our fantastic guest, Ms. Caroline Corey. And special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Lisa Kaza, and Miss Constance Stellas. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. Till the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care, and thank you so much for listening.